Do it. So we're on. I want to tell you what a privilege it is to be here with you today, and uh, I thank you for having me back to share with you a little bit of God's Word this morning. And uh, it doesn't hurt to eat. It works out pretty good, too. Uh, and I'm thankful that I get to come over here and fellowship with you and spend some time in the study of God's Word. Kevin asked me a while ago what the title of my lesson was, and I have to admit that I have a hard time sometimes titling my lessons. I don't know that that's just a, a quirk with me or whatever else it was. I tried to get some kind of an idea and go from there. So when Kevin asked me, I said, we're going to talk about status. And when I mention status, I hope that uh, you're thinking in your own mind, well, what do you think it means about status? Well, there's a way we're going to explain it, and some of it's going to come from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 through about verse 18. And let me kind of begin here in understanding with you the status that we have in the eye of God. When Paul wrote this passage of Scripture to the brethren of Corinth, he reminded them, he said, we came to you and we spoke the word of truth to you, but it was not out of our wisdom and it was not out of the wisdom that we had that we came in such a grand fashion for you to, to laud over us what great men we were. But when he gets down to chapter uh, 10 of, of 2 Corinthians, Verse 17 and verse 18, I think is the crux to what he's trying to say to us. We're going to get into the meat of this lesson. But he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. For not he who commends himself is approved, but he who is commended of the Lord. The reason that we come up with this idea of status in our world is because the world puts so much stock in the position that we take in this world. And sometimes the position that we take in this world, God is many times forgotten. There are those who would be very successful at what they do, and God never came into uh, His Word and, and sent Jesus to this earth to condemn those who had status. He didn't send Jesus into this world to preach against uh, succeeding or being the kind of people that we, because of our abilities to do things and because of the blessings that we have not to be successful what we do. But what he says is don't ever forget that your status is what God has blessed you with and your status needs to glorify God. Where you are, what you do, who you are needs to glorify God. When he came to this group of people at Corinth, he told them, he said, we didn't come because we were so smart or because we were so wise or because we <clears throat> had so much knowledge. We came because we were commissioned to come and preach the gospel to you. And if a man is going to glory, if a person is going to glory, let them glory in who God has made them to be. Because the only thing that matters are the things that God approves. And that gives us status. We're going to talk about that. I think you'll understand it more as we go along. What's the status of a lily of the field? In Luke, the uh, 12th chapter, Jesus talks about the lilies of the field. And here's what he says about them. 
Consider the lilies of the field, for they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Jesus is talking about status. When you ask someone, well, who was Solomon? Well, he was a man that came and, and sought of God wisdom. He came and sought that he might do what God warned him to do, but that he might be given great wisdom. And out of that wisdom came great riches and came great power. <clears throat> you spend a little time going back and understanding who Solomon was. We think that Solomon had status. He could send across the ocean and bring in animals for his zoo. He was able to get ivory and he was able to do all the things. Here was a man that by every intent and purpose, nothing was beyond his desire. Whatever he wanted, he could have. He was blessed. He had status. Why is it then that Jesus says, consider the lilies of the field and who God causes them to be, and they have even more glory than all the glory that Solomon had. It is because these lilies of the field, in the eye of God, tell us who he is. In uh, Luke the 10th chapter, excuse me, Matthew the 10th chapter, Jesus also talks about the sparrow. You know, I, when I was a kid, I got a, a brand new Red Rider BB gun. And we had a barn full of sparrows up there, and, and I was looking for something to hunt. And I was thinking that I was going to be the great white hunter, and I was going to take my BB gun, and I was going to go up to the barn, and I was going to rid this world of those pesky little, no-good, worthless sparrows in our barn. And I'd go up and wear myself out loading that gun, shooting those sparrows, and boy, they just, the more you took out, the more came, and they just... Messed on everything and just were just everywhere. They're just pesky little birds that nobody liked. And in my mind at that time, I thought, I'm sure, who would care that a sparrow was exterminated from their existence in this old barn of mine? It wasn't until I grew a little bit older and I heard a preacher preach on that. He talked about the worth of a sparrow. Not the worth of a sparrow to me. Not the worth of a sparrow as to what my determination of that sparrow's worth was. But the comparison that Jesus made when he said, even though those sparrows are worth very, very little, you can buy them for nothing. God still knows every time one falls to the earth. That's status. That's understanding how deeply God is involved in who we are. Concerned about the idea that we give to the rest of the world as to who our lives indicate that God is to us. You know, the whole idea that, uh, that these spares are worth something reminds me, and I was going to mention it later, but I think I'll mention it now. I have been privileged. For the last 30 some odd years to be on the board at Foster's Home in Stephenville. And I have to be very honest with you and tell you that at times I've come home from those board meetings and seen the travail of children and, and seen all the difficulties of providing for those young lives. And have become very 
disheartened by the things sometimes that the world pushes upon the little children that are the forgotten side of our society. And many of those children come to Foster's home with very little status. They're basically, in the eyes of all that are around them, especially sometimes to their families, unwanted children. And you wonder about their status and what they think. And, and the greatest thing that I can see that, that is done for those children, and, and about the time I get discouraged, I hear about a, a success story of one of our children. And I realize what that status means to them. And when they come there, our staff indicates to them day after day after day who they are in the eye of God. And that's the most important thing. Who they are in the eye of God. We'll talk about some of those other examples in a moment, but I can't help but think about the time that Jesus was preaching and a bunch of little children came up around him. And they, I guess, sat on his lap or on his knee or or crowded in around him and he was blessing the children and some well-meaning person, I'm sure, came by and said, Jesus, you need to shoo these children away so that us important people can hear what you have to say. They were just talking about status. They simply said, we're more important than they are. The words that you speak need to be for us, not for them. Jesus just looked at them and said, you don't understand. Unless you become converted and like these little children, there's no way you're going to get to heaven. Romans chapter 12 tells us that we need to be very, very careful how highly we think of ourselves. And understand our status is not because of who we think we are, but who God thinks that we are. You want to talk about status? Let's talk about Philippians chapter 2 beginning in about verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but gave himself to death, even the death on the cross. Wait a minute now. You're talking about status. Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus was begotten Son of God. That's important. And yet out of all of that, he realized that the greatest thing he could do was to die for us. His dying gave us status. His dying gave us acceptance in the will of God. His dying gave us forgiveness. His dying gave us heaven. And Jesus could have looked at his status and said, I'm the son of God. I shouldn't have to do this. I shouldn't have to die for people that are as imperfect as these people are that are around me. I shouldn't have to give my perfect life for those imperfect people. And yet Jesus was willing to understand that his only greatest status came from the sacrifice that he made for you and me. And that gave us the place we need to be. Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, For all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction in righteousness, that the Son of God, that the Son of Man may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. God desires from us status. But status based on His will and status based on who He can bring us to be. 
In Luke the 13th chapter, one more story before we get into a few others and then we'll conclude the lesson. Jesus is preaching a parable about a mustard seed. And isn't it odd, don't you think, that when Jesus came down here, one of the reasons that they so misunderstood him and what he said was because he talked in terms that were foreign to them. The things that they felt many times were unimportant, he said these are the most important. And those Pharisees who would come to him with all of this status and the people that would come to him that thought so highly of themselves were never the ones that understood exactly who Jesus was. The ones that understood who Jesus was are the ones that had needs that Jesus could provide. They realized the need they had. They realized the need they had of Christ. And they didn't think of themselves too highly. There were some who came to Jesus that did. And when he would start talking about the status of the poor and the status that that could be gained by his lifting them up and bringing them to where God wanted them to be was foreign to them. And so in Luke the 13th chapter, he talks to them about a mustard seed. And he said, you put this mustard seed in the ground and it grows up into a tree. And that's a pretty good lesson in itself. And when you think about what Jesus was saying, it makes a lot of sense. Even the smallest of seed that goes into the ground, <clears throat> talking about this mustard seed going in and making a tree, but he goes even further in the rest of that passage of Scripture. He said it grows up to be a tree from a very small beginning. Its status as a seed is, is very small. And then it grows into a tree, but that's not the fullness of its status. The fullness of its status comes whenever the birds can come and live in its branches. God always has a purpose for all things that he created. He created us to be good, work, people. And when he says that to us, he said, it's through these things that you do that you show your faith. And when people see that, they understand that our worth is because of what God believes we are worth. Worth the price of His Son? Yes, apparently to God. Worth the price of forgiveness? Yes, apparently to God. We're worth forgiving. Our worth comes because not of who we are, but who God commends us to be. In all the things of life that we do, we have various examples in Scripture about that very same thing. I ran across a test the other day, and I'm going to give you a little test here because I think it epitomizes for us how we view status in the world in which we live. Now, that's not to belittle us or tell us that we're wrong or in looking for the better things of life. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that we have been conditioned in the world in which we live to believe that status is the most important thing that we can gain in this world. I don't say that there's anything wrong with being successful or being good at what we do. But when in our status we forget that our true status is in the spirit that God has put within us and the status that we have in the eye of God, when we forget that, then all of the earthly status really doesn't matter. So I took this test the other day and I think it indicates to us the idea that we have in this world about what really status is. If you were going to look for a hotel, this is the test I took, and I'll let you take it along with me this morning. If you were going to look at a hotel, 
for a place to stay at night? Would you stay at the Holiday Inn, the Budget Inn, or the Hyatt Regency? And what that tells us is that, well, we'd, we'd pick the best place that we could live because of its status. Karen and I were coming back from Lubbock one time and couldn't find anywhere else to stay, and it was our anniversary, it was August the 22nd, and uh, we were on our way back from Lubbock, and, and uh, I don't mean to say anything uh, ugly about this little place that we stayed, but it was called the Hickman Inn in Aspermont, Texas. I don't know how many of you have ever been to the Hickman Inn in Aspermont, Texas, but it's a cheap place to stay. They had a nice restaurant right next door, which made it really, really nice. And the people were nice, don't get me wrong. But I do believe that if you were to choose a place to celebrate your anniversary, it wouldn't be in the Hickman Inn in Dastermont, Texas. But we stayed there, and it's been a joke in our family for a long, long time. Where do you want to go for your anniversary? Let's go to the Hickman Inn in Dastermont, Texas. But you see, in our minds, that's not status. We... We're going to celebrate. We're going to go to some big fancy hotel. Well, let's go on with our test right quick. we got a lot of other stuff to do. If you were going to go on vacation somewhere, would you go to the Peoria, Kansas campgrounds of America, to Six Flags, or the French Riviera? If you were looking for a store to buy high-end items, would you go to Kmart, to Dollar General, or Macy's? If you were to buy perfume, and, and you're not going to understand what I have written down here. Uh, we had a, a girl that uh, uh, went on a lot of our ag trips when I was in college, and she was a very wonderful person, and and uh, she came up with a perfume one day, and we asked her what the <clears throat> name of that perfume was she was wearing, and she said, it's Meet Me Under the Bridge. And... Uh, I never did quite understand all of that, but I put it down in my notes today because if you were to choose a perfume, would you choose Estee Lauder or would you choose Meet Me Under the Bridge? <laughs> so we look at status, don't we? Uh, we talk about that and we, we understand what it means. If you were to go out to buy a car, would you buy a Volkswagen, a Ford, or a Lexus? If you were going to buy a watch, would you buy a Timex or a Rolex? If you were going to Look for a restaurant, would you go to Burger King or Ruth Chris? Yeah, see, what I'm saying is, <clears throat> status in our mind and in our way in which we think sometimes as human beings is to find that which mankind thinks is the true status. And there's nothing wrong with going to Ruth Chris and choosing that as a place to eat or, or going to the Hyatt Regency. But those ideas don't need to invade our spiritual life. We need to understand that our worth is because of what God can use us to be. That gives us our worth. That gives us who we are and what we can do. In uh, Luke the 12th chapter, story there is told about the best farmer in the world. Apparently he's the best farmer in the world because he made such a crop that Scripture tells us he had to tear down his barns and build bigger barns and the problem was not that he was successful as a farmer. I'd like to some point in time be as successful as he was. It wasn't because he made a good crop. It wasn't because he had to tear down his barns and build bigger barns. It was the idea that he had about who he was. And the longer he looked at all the things that he had garnered together, the more he thought of himself who he was. 
not how he had been blessed by God. He apparently became very selfish with what he had because he said to himself, So, lay back and be thankful for all that you have and all that you have done and all that you have accomplished. And be thankful that you're so smart and be thankful that you're such a good farmer. And somewhere in all of the mix of this, he forgot who it was that blessed him. So his status that he thought he had was not the status that God was pleased with. You can't help but wonder about how these stories might change had things been different. We talk about the possibilities that he might have had to have done greater things with what he had. Too much like the, the lawyer that came to Jesus and asked him, what shall I do with all this money that I've got? He tells him to go and give it to the poor and come and follow me. It would have changed his life. The generosity of this rich farmer could it could have easily been changed. What a, what a great opportunity that he might have had to do for someone else. But his status got in the way. It was who I am. I have to tell you this story. Uh, won't take long. We have some very generous people that help us at Foster's Home. And and I'm always, uh, I don't know that the word envious is right, but boy, sometimes I wish that I had the resources that some of these people have to help those children. And I was absolutely amazed one day whenever, uh, well, we've had two things happen, actually. We had a guy come from down in Waco who had been very, very successful in business, and he wanted to take us out to eat, so he came down to Waco, I mean, came down to Stephenville, and we all met there in Stephenville, about four or five of us on the board, and we went up to this restaurant to eat, and we didn't go to a fancy place. We just went to a normal place and was sitting there eating, and he said, I just wanted to come down and, and give you something that might be able to help the home. We thought, okay, that's good, that's nice, we, we appreciate that. We opened that envelope, and written in the line of the sum was a million dollars. And we looked at him and said, is this true? Oh, yes, yes, it's true. I want you to have it, and I want you to use it for children. Well, I, I think anyone in the world, if he had walked into a place and, and said to them, uh, I can pull a million dollars out of my pocket, everybody would have said, wow, you're a rich man, the status that you have. But you know what made that gift so beautiful? Every dime of that went to raise the status of an unwanted child at Foster's home. That's where the real worth was. The money value was good, but the spiritual value was greater. A couple came by one time at Foster's home and asked Glenn, said, what do you need? And he said, well, we need to redo some bathrooms. We've got some carpet that's kind of stained, and, and we've got this and that and the home. Hole. No, 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 they said. No, huh? We want to know what you need. And he said, well, we're kind of running out of room. We need, a, we need to build another home for about 12 more children. Well, what does that cost? And Glenn told him, said, well, it'll cost about $500,000 to build a home to house those children. And they said, okay. Pulled out their checkbook. Wrote a check for $500,000 and handed it to Glenn and said, build a house. 
You see, that gives me an idea of what we think of when we think of status. Many would look at that and say, boy, wouldn't it be wonderful to be that rich? No, it would be better to have the spirit with which these gifts were given. That's where the status is. That's where this farmer missed what he had for a calling. He became selfish, he became self-centered, and he put everything in his own mind. Have you ever thought about what status did that tempted Eve in the Garden of Eden? Everything was fine. Their status was good. They were blessed people. I don't know that they ever figured out exactly uh, how blessed they really were. But when the devil came up to tempt Eve, you know what he tempted her with? Status. He said, the reason God doesn't want you to be as eat the fruit of this tree that he's told you not to eat is because he's afraid you'll become as smart as he is. You'll become like him. And he appealed to her status. And when she realized and was tempted by that status, all of that that God had blessed them with suddenly flew out the window. And she tempted Adam with the same thing. And, and all of a sudden, the status that they had with God because of the status that they thought they wanted evaporated and was no more. I sometimes wonder what their conversations six months later were. Do you realize what we've done? We were the most blessed people in the world and we gave it up. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all those things that you really do need that will provide for you in life what God has blessed you with will be yours. But as long as we look at our status based upon our own evaluations, we'll never find that to be true. In Luke the 18th chapter, there's two guys went into the temple. We're going to do a few more of these and then quit. I think you're getting the idea. Two of these men went into the temple. One was a Pharisee and one was a publican. And they sat, I guess, fairly close to one another because apparently they could hear one another. But the Pharisee began to talk about his status. What did he say? Do you remember? He said, oh, I'm thankful that I'm able to, to pray three times a day and give my alms and, and come and do all these things. But here's where it really went sour for this Pharisee. He kind of looked around and saw that publican sitting back there and he said, the most thing that I am thankful for is that I am not like this man. And when he said that, what he said was, I'm so much greater than he is. How could God care about him when he's got me to care about because I have status? The publican looked up to the heavens, it says in that passage of Scripture, and admitted his wrong and asked God that he might be forgiven, be merciful unto me for I'm a sinful man. Scripture tells us that it was the publican that went to his house in greater status than the Pharisee did that day. You see, our status is not based upon who we think we are, as Paul said in Second Corinthians. It is based on what God commends, what God is able to do with the things that he's blessed us with. One or two more and then we'll be through. Pilate's political leanings and his status was what caused him to to bend to the will of the people. Now, we know that this was God's will, and I'm not fussing with that at all this morning. I understand that. 
But it tells us the story of so much that's done in this world that is done for our own good that we think is going to promote us and then we forget about the workings of God in the world in which we live. You know, we can become successful in all the areas of our life and we can become successful as politicians or whatever else it might be. But the problem that we have many times is that we become built up on our own uh, thoughts and our own uh, successes and all of a sudden we forget what our real purpose in life is. Kind of like the sparrow, kind of like the lilies. There was a story of a rich man that came and uh, he asked Jesus in, in Luke the 16th chapter, what do I do with all my money? I mentioned him a while ago. You said, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor and, and come and follow me. And he said, I can't do that. The thing that kept him from being what God wanted him to be was the status that he thought he had. Look what he could have done. Look what changes he might could have made. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God that you present yourselves as living sacrifices. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If I were privileged this morning, and I guess I am, to offer us a challenge this morning, let us understand that when we are willing to give our lives into the service of the people that God has blessed us to be around, that we be very, very careful about how we see our status, that we are willing to give our lives in the service of others, to not think of ourselves more highly than we should, or never to look at around at others and think that we are better than them or that we are more spiritual than they are, but that we be very, very careful that we understand that it is God who commends, and that's what's important. It is that recommendation of God about who we are that gives us our word. I, uh, I think so many times of, of the lessons that Jesus gives us all through Scripture. And when we began to realize what Jesus really called us to be was exactly what he allowed himself by the will of God to be. When he put before the Spirit to tell Paul to write those words in Romans 12, Jesus knew what sacrifice was. He knew what status was. He knew what obedience was. He knew what it was to do God's will above all else. We're a great blessed people in this world. We have been given by God great opportunities, great place to live, a great place to raise our families. And we have status in our communities. We have status in the church. We have status in the business world that we live in. But all of that status does not matter if we forget the one who died for us. If we forget that Jesus, the Son of God, put this mind in himself that said, I will do the will of God that people might be saved. I don't think there's a greater thing in this world to understand than that God put himself, Jesus put himself aside for us, for you and for me. Because he thought we were worth saving our status is not by who we are but it is by the one that gives us our worth 
by sending his son to die on the cross for our sins. As you sit there this morning and as I stand up here this morning, let us consider what we are worth to God. And your soul is worth something to God. And if that soul is not in the place that it needs to be, if your relationship with God through Christ is not where it needs to be, and your faith tells you this morning that I need to confess His name, become a child of God, and be baptized into Christ, if that's your need this morning, don't let that day pass, this day pass, without making sure that that's done. If you as a Christian this morning need us to pray together, Scott will come forward, I'm sure, and, and accept you as you come forward. If you have built yourself up to some place that you shouldn't be, maybe you need to humble yourself and understand that your worth is not in anything other than what God commends and what God says our worth is. Let's pray about that this morning. You know, we have a, we have a wonderful existence as God's people. Let us be very, very careful that our worth is always wrapped up in the worth that we have to God. If you need to respond this morning, Scott, are you going to come forward and accept that someone come? As we stand, let's, let's think about what the invitation of Christ is to us this morning. To be worthy of all that He has given to us and all that He has become to us. If you're subject this morning to God's invitation, it is yours as we stand and sing, would you come? Yeah.